you have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. standing one on top of each other in a trench coat <laughs> quick leave the lobby come back with that as your name <laughs> next week that'll be next my week. that'll be my name next week okay i have no idea where to start this week i don't know what little fun thing to tell you so much has happened what happens it's been 7 days so much oh that's right i forgot there was there, not in your life in no my life my life is boring Taylor yeah Swift. please tell me yeah travis kelsey there it is i lost my mind i'm gonna be so careful i blew out the mic so many times last week i got so excited talking about stranger things <laughs> i just kept blowing out the mic so i'm trying to be chill trying to be cool and talk about Taylor Swift. So I am really fighting so many internal battles right now not to just scream at my captive audience. All right. Tell me tell me what's going on. Tell so, me the, the juicy goss. Travis Kelsey. He is the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a football team. I know. I know the Chiefs. He is the tight end. Best friends to Patrick okay. Mahomes, who is a Muppet sounded motherfucker the man sounds like a muppet what does he do he's the quarterback oh and he sounds like a muppet okay that's all i wanted to say on that i said i knew who the chiefs were i i don't know anything beyond that so back in july taylor on her little airs tour tiny little show not sure if anyone else has heard about it uh stopped did some shows at Kansas City where Travis Kelsey saw he gave her a friendship bracelet with his phone number on it and wanted Aww. to try to meet her. Um, but she wasn't meeting people before or after the shows, so he was like in the media like a little butthurt. So last week I was like, there's no way they're dating. He's talking too much about her. There's no way that Taylor would stand for it. And then she showed up at the game and sat next to his mom. Why? How does she meet the parents so fast every time? Because she's got that kind of face that you just want to bring home to mom. And Travis scored a touchdown and she was like chest bumping people and high-fiving and banging on the glass and like having so much fun. And then they rode off together in a convertible and and they had an entire restaurant. I've heard it both ways that Taylor booked the restaurant, but most people are now saying it was actually Travis who like booked out the restaurant and cleared out the restaurant for everyone. And I'm just, she has this six, five man of nothing but muscle who is not hard to look at. Gonna say right now, he's not hard to look at driving her down the street in a convertible and on his podcast that he does with his brother. Cause his brother's on the Eagles, the Kelsey brothers, um, 
Okay. See, I've been microdosing sports just in case. So everyone needs to catch up to my level with how little I know about a lot. Today. I might have to go find it and send it to you, actually. I didn't know how angry you were about the two of them dating, so I didn't send no, it No, I'm to not you. angry. I'm not angry. And that's a common misconception because I'm angry about almost everything else. <laughs> this is like a real-life rom-com playing out in front of me. And he seems so nice and so yeah, genuine. The star cheerleader gets the football. But player. he did a touchdown for her. They drove off in a getaway car. And then on his podcast, he's like, I respect her privacy. She's so wonderful and great. And I love her. And she was so fun. And I'm so glad I got to meet her. And all of his little football buddies are like, we're going to respect their privacy. We're not going to talk about it. And I just, they're all so lovely to her and she seems so happy it's not fair why is that not fair wouldn't you want her to be happy because i was not in the stadium to witness it oh and i am a denver broncos fan okay i'm from denver i support denver first and she's supporting the chiefs and i can't do both like it's taylor first swifty first human second but it's just so wholesome. It's like, I, I'm i dying. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I am living in both the best case scenario for Taylor and my worst nightmare at the same time. Because I wanted to be that girl who swept Taylor off her feet. And I can't do it. But Travis Kelsey can. And I'm not mad at it. I mean, he also can Good for literally them. do that. So He could. I. What does he look like? Um, right now he does kind of have a dopey looking mustache, but usually he's not that bad to look at. Oh. Dopey mustache. Yeah. He has a, a look about him. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact, he has a dating reality show. Or he had one in the past. So I think that we should watch that. Um, I will say it's been really annoying to me that it it's either he's our new like travis kelsey is our new dad which i think is kind of weird i think they're very early in their relationship um didn't they just meet so she would have played in july and i have a feeling that when you are that rich and that famous on both of their like in both regards taylor and travis you have your people reach out and i have a feeling they probably talked and texted and went on some secret dates here and there from july to now um some people are saying that this is PR, either to help promote the Kelsey documentary coming out on Amazon Prime, to help Taylor promote her movie coming out in October. Um, it could be PR to cover up Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas's divorce because Sophie and Taylor are friends. I just this is like a rom com, and I want to enjoy the rom comness of it all. Mm -hmm. I just really need people to remember that she is a person and he is a person. And apparently people have already started paparazzi, not people, paparazzi, um, have already been like standing outside of his house with like a super zoom lens. Don't ruin this That's for me. That's so gross. Why do people have to God, do I like that? God, I hate the paparazzi. Well, and it's like that's part of what's made dating Taylor Swift so difficult is all of the weird shit that the paparazzis do and how intense things are so it's oh my my water spilled on my blanket this is 
It's a travesty. It's a hell of my own making. I am so upset. Oh, did you send me a video? I did. That was the video I told you about that I was going to send you. <laughs> I can't do this. It That was such a... Thank you for sending me that video. It was a lovely video. I've never been so bored in my life trying to see two women talk to each other. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm never sending you a video again. It's okay. I'll send you so many videos. Yeah, like the 200 unread TikTok messages I have. Um, You did actually open those and respond to it because I sent you a Will Byers sighting. Yeah, there's more than just from so, you. there. There's four other people who have sent me TikToks that I have not watched. Yeah, but they don't matter as much as me. I have a podcast with you. Do they have a podcast with you? No. What if I told you that I actually had like six other podcasts that secretly then all I, I say, do with my time is do podcasts? And then I would say you're doing a terrible job promoting your other podcasts. Yeah, but what if one of them is... Never mind. That's a dumb joke. I'm going to stop talking. Nope. Nope. You got to finish. I was going to say, what if one of them is with Taylor Swift and I'm respecting my friend's privacy? Uh, that's really... <laughs> One that's a hilarious callback to a different conversation we had. Thank uh, you. For the listeners, if this makes it in for the listeners, Margot loves Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine. And I said, wouldn't it be crazy if I was actually best friends with her and I just never told you because it never came up? So Margot's whole joke is, well, what if I was Taylor Swift's best friend and just never told you because it never came up? And I said, I wouldn't even be mad because I know you respect her privacy. <laughs> oh, I never told you about the Korean spa either. Oh, tell me about the Korean spa. Weird as hell, but like in such a good way. Okay. Because it's, I'm trying to tone it back after last week. That was a mess. That was chaotic. That aged so poorly. What, um, what do you mean with bring the Travis Kelsey? And then see you lost. We did not do well. My football teams are doing so bad. Oh, see, this is why I don't care about sports. Then I don't ever get disappointed. You are leaving yourself open to so many very mean jokes that I could make. Like what? Well, I don't want to be like actually mean. I'm just, I know you never get disappointed. Mean. And I'm like, you're dating history. Are you sure? Why do you think I'm not dating right now? Because then I can't be disappointed. <laughs> Listen. Damn, that's fair. A lot of things in my life have been disappointments, but currently in my life, no disappointments. I did text a girl. Mm. She and I had oh gone on a few God. dates a while back. Got all lost touch with each other. I reached out to her. Mm. She did respond once. That's all I have. <laughs> that's my big update for the week. Oh my gosh. I know. So... Besides Taylor Swift and all your football games, football teams doing terribly, anything else you want to report about? I don't think so, but watch us halfway through the episode. I blow out the mic and I'm just like, oh my God. That's fine. It's okay. We don't have professional setups. We're still learning on how to do this. You're fine. That's fair. Um, I just know when I was doing a listen through, I'm like, oh my God, I blew out the mic several times i should add a a blowout mic how many times does kirstie blow out a mic per episode <laughs> along with my nancy bullshit counter which happy to report if we get it to add another tally we get that and i also started an l kills people tally we're up to one maybe two 
did you go through the other two episodes to like she didn't have any in the other two episodes that were confirmed okay that, I, so i didn't start yeah. it until the third because she did not have any confirmed kills until episode i think four? three three speaking of all i want to do is talk about stranger things no thoughts just lights in my brain um all i want to do is talk about stranger things and episode three and episode four i do want to say before you do the recaps for these two episodes or the the synopsis for these two episodes i'm gonna get travis kelsey off of my screen so episode three and episode four of this season and all other seasons were directed by sean levy and i just want to say this has been kind of talked about throughout the fandom. This has been talked about like consistently. Episodes three and four are always the episodes that are the most popular, that hit the hardest emotionally, that are the most like well done, the well, like everything about it. And it is all because of Sean Levy. Interesting. I did not notice that. It came up because I was very briefly on Stranger Things Twitter and. It was a trend that I saw talked about, but also if you watch, if you watch the third and fourth episodes of every season, they're usually the big turning points or like the big, like really intense, which I don't know if you remember which episode four in season four is. Oh, I'm jumping. <gasps> oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are at Pinhurst. They do go to Pinhurst. They do go to they Pinhurst. They mentioned Penhurst. It's yes. in. Okay. Um, That's good. You know what? Let's just jump into it. Let me do my quick synopsis. Do, do your quick synopsis. Um, because I was also noticing um, there were a lot of parallels for s- episode three with Nancy losing her virginity and Jennifer's body. I had the same thoughts. I had the same thoughts. Um, Read the synopsis. Yeah, okay, okay. Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. An increasingly concerned Nancy looks for Barb and finds out what Jonathan's been up to. Joyce is convinced Will is trying to talk to her. Chapter 4, The Body. Refusing to believe Will is dead, Joyce tries to connect with her son. The boys give Eleven a makeover. Nancy and Jonathan form an unlikely alliance. How do you feel about those synopsis? Do you feel like it covers everything? Um... I, here's the thing. I don't, but I don't know how else you describe episode three. Yeah. Episode four, I think, is a pretty decent synopsis, but also it gives so many, I think it's a good synopsis. I take it back. I'll talk about the things I have issue with <laughs> when we get to them within the episode point. Okay. Um, so, episode three. Essentially, Jennifer's body. R.I.P. Barb. R.I.P. Barb. Um, this is Tuesday night in the show. Yes. So it's been 48 hours since Will has gone missing. We now lose Barb. Barbara. Barbara. Um, that shot of Barb holding on to the pool ladder while she's being pulled back is one of the shots that I think of when I think of classic season one Stranger Things. A lot of these two episodes have a lot of those shots that like ended up being the iconic pictures from Stranger Things, I feel like. Because we get you the definitely, lights. Yeah. 
you get the lights you get to see i call it the ouija wall because it kind of reminds me of a ouija board yeah i think i call Um, it the light wall but like the letter wall like whatever it is yeah you get to see that kind of being made and i feel like that this episode has so many of the um the most iconic parts of this season i would say the only thing it was missing is the waffles to make it fully which season that happened in episode two right um she's eating a burger i don't think the waffles really come into play until later this season no because will or mike already gave her waffles remember he put them in his pocket when she was first home alone i think that was episode two i don't remember waffles i thought i would have pointed out waffles but hey i may have been too focused on steve so again this is 48 hours after will goes missing yes barb is just sitting there and jonathan's taking pictures it's super weird but even with all of that i felt like it was the scene after where we see nancy going and talking with her mom and her mom's freaking out i had before we get to the point i had a couple questions okay how did nancy get home that was my other question yeah steve didn't drive her home barb didn't drive her did she walk home she must have walked home like it's never said but she must have walked home which is kind of crazy that she wouldn't have seen barb's car when she's walking back she just kind of shows up and she's home all of a sudden yeah unless i think it's is it tommy and karen are the tommy tommy and no because karen's the mom's name yeah her mom's name Tommy and Carol. 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 Tommy and Carol. So Tommy and Carol potentially could have given her a ride home, especially if she thought Barb had already left. True. But it's never discussed. Again, a small detail. Yeah. That has major story implications that we never see. That's never answered. Yeah, because then also we don't know how late she got home. Because like is after is, 10 well is we know Karen, it's after 10 we know it's after 10 but if she walked home is it like three o'clock in the morning exactly so it's, yeah. it's one of those major story implications because with that scene her mom is really intense like it's pretty intense her mom knows something's wrong and nancy seems upset she seems like two seconds away from crying that entire scene okay which is what i wanted to talk about why did steve fall asleep why did he not drive her home why was he just like eh, goodbye like well because they had just had sexual intercourse yeah and he had been drinking and it was presumably after i'm going to say it's probably after midnight i don't know if steve like to me i was like come on steve be the good guy like drive her home I think it's also supposed to be making us turn on Steve. I see that. I get that. They kind of like this episode. This episode was trying to make us not like Steve as much, Um, because there's other instances that I have written down where it's like this is where Steve starts being an asshole. Honestly, though, rewatching this, normally I would be like, "Yeah, Steve's an asshole." Rewatching it this time, I was kind of on Steve's side. No, here's the thing. I'm so Team Steve. Rewatching this made me even more Team Steve. Yeah. Because and again, we'll kind of get to it. But I think this is the episode where we're not supposed to like Steve because we're not. Yes. We're yeah. supposed to turn to Team Jonathan. So the fight that Nancy has with her mom, 
she Karen just wants to be a mother to Nancy in a way that her mother was not there for her. Like she just wants to be there for Nancy. And like and there's so yeah. much there's so much in Karen's character that is just it's not obvious, but as you watch you can tell like the way that she sits next to her husband or interacts with her husband. There is a throwaway comment somewhere about like you know, married a rich guy and got pregnant too young and like got stuck there. So like there's some comment. I think that's in season two. Something about I think it's in season two. Um I just watched that one recently too. Um where she's not trying to repeat her mom's mistakes. And it's very clearly reiterated time and time again that Mr. Wheeler is not present, but he's doing exactly what would be expected for him as a father and as a husband of that time. It's her mom's job to run the house. It's the wife's job to take care of the children. He just has to put money on, like, bring home money, put food on the table. Yeah. So, and I do have that note when I'm just kind of commenting on this scene. Her dad isn't even awake. Yeah. Her dad's not up, but Karen Wheeler is up. And I do think that's important because it's not like Nancy comes in super suspiciously she's not like hiding anything tiptoeing she just opens the door and starts going upstairs and her mom is like do you know how late it is i was worried sick did you ever did you ever have this scenario with either of your parents growing up like i came in late yeah like you came in late and they were sitting up waiting for you hold on let me think of how to best answer this truthfully and not get in trouble (laughs) So I did. I have a very distinct memory of like my curfew in high school, like junior year was midnight. You had to be home by midnight. And there was one night my friend and I rolled in at 11.59 p.m. Like we pulled into the driveway at 11.59 p.m. Come in the door. We're giggling. We're having a good time. And my mom is standing at the top of the stairs like, uh, what's going on? And I, I'm sure she thought we were drunk. We were not acting sober. We were giggly high school girls, but we were not drunk. Like we were genuinely sober. Mm-hmm. But that feeling of them being like, where have you been? What are you doing? And you're like, oh, my God, why do you care? Like, but like when you think of it from a parent's perspective, her son's best friend is missing and her daughter doesn't show up when she's supposed to. Her daughter, who has never broken any rules ever, doesn't show up when she's supposed to. Like, I, I get it. And I also understand Nancy, like, just being like, God, just leave me alone. Like, just let me process this thing that I just went through. And, like, I think that you also see Nancy second-guessing herself mm-hmm. a lot as well, which, again, we know as the audience something terrible happened and we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. So Nancy being nervous and worried from an initial watch, you're like, yeah, that makes sense because Barb is missing. Barb just got eaten by the Demogorgon. Yeah. But she wouldn't know that. And her mom wouldn't know that. So it's just normal teen stuff. And she just kind of feels, like, I think guilty for having sex. I think it was because it's this and I I kind of know this feeling of like there's this fairy tale idea and like romance movies like make it out to be this like wonderful amazing thing but like actual sex especially the first time usually not like the most amazing thing ever and like especially when it's especially when like you're a teenager and like you think oh my god he's the one and then it's not everything that you thought and then he falls asleep and you're just sitting there and you're like what just happened to me 
I would also say within the 80s and especially within Nancy's little rom-com that she's in, I think that there's so much pressure from society. Like it ha you have to be in true love. You have to be so in love. It's going to be this magical experience and you're going to be changed forever and you are going to be so different and you're never going to go back to being the same and you've been permanently altered. Yeah. But you're a slut now and awful and terrible and used and no one will ever love you. So if you fuck it up. Yeah on you like there's so much pressure both positive and negative that is put on your first sexual experience mm -hmm. that clearly nancy was not mentally prepared for and you see it throughout the rest of this episode um which by the way now it's wednesday so we start tuesday night one then last, it does go to wednesday morning one last question about this okay. why won't nancy admit to anyone that she's dating steve she does go through that like all and i don't know like multiple times she will refuse to say that she's dating steve which is weird because steve is which this is one of my first uh well no my first note is joyce having a breakdown over the course of three days oh my god well jonathan is picking up the pieces it's been three days i literally my next note in here is poor poor joyce <laughs> like she's having a full-on breakdown no one believes her she's seeing things she is absolutely going crazy and by the grace of whatever remaining little brain cells of sanity that are left in her she somehow makes it through it but poor jonathan has to like suffer through his deadbeat dad and then watching his mom have a breakdown meanwhile he is also out at the same time we have no idea when he gets in He's just waking up Joyce Wednesday morning after his brother's gone and his mom doesn't care. Did he wake her up? I thought that she hadn't slept at that point. Uh, she, he was like shaking her and it looked like she was being show, like shaken awake. Okay. Like, I don't think she was really sleeping. She, like, hasn't she wasn't slept getting quality much. sleep, but she had dozed okay. off. Yeah. Like this is day three at this point. She has to have had some sleep even if it's not good sleep or a lot of sleep she would have had to have some. some yeah 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 i just this episode like again winona ryder fucking queen she knows rent is due that store can only give her two weeks advance i literally rent is due i started i will actually we'll get to this when we get to the next episode but she literally like that woman can act. And honestly, I don't remember the actor who plays Jonathan's name, but props to him for being able to like. He's he's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. He's fantastic. Like, I really enjoy watching him act. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then. So we don't really get to see a whole lot of Nancy or anything because it does cut to the kids yes. and we see the slingshot from Nam and the knife from Nam and <laughs> the binoculars from Nam. Can't forget those. Yeah. The binoculars from Nam. And Dustin um, bringing the snacks. Oh my God. My note here verbatim is Dustin bringing snacks is so eternal slumber party podcast coded. I literally wrote Dustin bringing snacks is amazing. And then trying to get Eleven to make the ship fly is so fucking funny. And she's just like, no. <laughs> like, that's the thing about season 111 is she has so much fucking sass. 
She does. She has a lot. Like she's very quiet. She's very terrified, but she has so much sass. She doesn't say anything, but she has the most personality in season one than she does in the other seasons, with the exception of season three, but I'll talk more on season three. I don't know. Season two, that fight with Hopper, so good. I will say, I think season one, she has the most personality, but I think it's because she can't say anything. So she has to really act. Yeah. Whereas when she kind of gets more dialogue, she's able to like have more sass and personality, but in a different way because you can kind of see her learning and interacting with society yeah. and like figuring out how to act within society. Whereas right now she's kind of balls to the wall. Yeah. Um, But I was also going to say it's, they go to school with these things in their backpack. So Lucas just casually strolls up to the school with his fucking Bowie knife. Okay. But that is such an 80s things because they weren't checking backpacks at the time. Like, like it's just one of those things where I'm like, that's just a thing that he has. He just has a fucking Bowie knife and no one's going to care because it's the 80s and it's a lawless, lawless land. Also, Mike. Because Hopper is too busy playing detective. Okay, but Hopper is being really good at playing detective. He is doing a great job at playing detective. My last note that I have written down, I, I will leave until the end because I was so proud of it. But Mike gives her the little watch and was like, 315, needed the power lines. And like that whole mm-hmm. scene was just so cute i'm really glad that you focused on that because i really focused on the part where he screams at his mom (laughs) the immediate (laughs) like the immediate like "Ah!" and then back to being really soft voice and just like oh my god so good it like finn wolfhart is such a good actor for that scene alone that deserved oscars grammys not yeah. Grammys, uh, Emmys, that's the one. And Grammys, honestly. Like, he deserved a Grammy. He deserved a Grammy for that vocal performance. <laughs> Album of the year. Taylor who? It's Finn Wolfhard's time. Yeah, Taylor Hoomps. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a... I'm trying to think of a, a Finny. I don't know. Instead he of a Swifty, a, a Finny. He's in a band. Finn Wolfhard's in a band? Yeah, Finn Wolfhard's in a band. That's why he doesn't done what? a ton of acting, because he's been doing work with his band. So does everyone on Stranger Things just also do music on the side? Because Joe Keery also does music. I know. And Joe Keery. Sink- I kind of love Joe Keery's music a lot. It's so vibey. Uh, I know okay. exactly what I'm going to do this weekend. And it's listen to Joe Keery. Um, he was in one called Calpurnia from 2017 to 2019. And he's in one called The Aubrey's since 2019. Um, He was also in It. Oh, those are his band names. Oh, I thought you were listing. That makes a lot more sense. No. I thought you were listing off other acting projects. I'm like, I have no idea what these are. He's also in It, though. I know that. But yeah, and Sadie it Sink is one. also in another um, horror movie. Sadie Sink's been in a lot more stuff. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. yes, Finn Wolfhard has his own band. Um, he was lead vocalist and guitarist at the rock band Calpurnia and is a member of the Aubrey since 2019 or 2020. Okay, let's check him out. I'll give him a shot. Give him a shot. Um, yeah, but after that, and after that little plot, little tender moment between yes. Mike and Eleven, um, we see Nancy going through the school, and she sees like everyone kind of staring at her, or at least she feels like everyone's staring at her. I relate to that feeling. 
see what's weird is like we as the audience know so much more of what's going on so it's kind of i'm almost waiting like is someone going to mention to her that barb's not at school yet is someone going to say that they know that she's going to have like that she had sex like the tension of this scene of her just walking in and then steve coming up to her and she's like so like you didn't tell anyone right like and him being like yeah no of course not i would never do that to you like he's treating her feelings with so much care but like the tension's still there and like we are just watching the tension from okay but i get that like i understand that feeling of being like nobody knows what just happened to me or what i just did but everybody knows <laughs> like nobody knows but everybody knows i i understand yeah. that I get it. I'm just saying I really liked um I guess Sam Levi cuz I was definitely going to give the Duffers credit Levi on that. I'm glad or that I Levy? knew. Now I Levi need to Levi? know. Sam, we'll just call him John. our good buddy. Wait, John. I thought you said it was Sam earlier. Sean. Sean. Oh, well. Okay, hold on. Let's just start this whole podcast over. <laughs> Sean Levy, director of episodes 3 and 4 Sean of Levy. all seasons of Stranger Things. I would have put money that you said Sam. Sean. Johnny boy. Good old Sean. My dear buddy Sean. He did a really good job directing with having that tension because it felt very horror movie. I felt the very clear shift. It's no longer a rom-com. Yep. It's a horror movie for Nancy because everything was so tense and you could hear it in the music and you could hear it in the lack of music and you could just see it with every step Nancy took that we're waiting in anticipation. I forgot to mention Nancy heard Barb call her name. Again, this is exactly like Jennifer's, Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body. I know. I had that same thought. Where Needy is seeing Demon Jennifer all crouched and weird, and she knows something's wrong in her heart of hearts, and Nancy is going through her first sexual experience knowing in her heart of hearts something's wrong. Barb called out to her, but she doesn't stop. And, like, the trauma that Nancy must feel that just goes so untouched throughout the rest of the seasons like we see it in season two that she feels guilty and she's not over it but no one really talks to her about like why do you feel so guilty why do you think that this is your fault yeah which you brought up a little bit last week as well of like which again i think the sorry. only person who could have i did confirm it's levy okay I'm still going to go with good old Shawnee boy. Shawnee boy. Um, but yeah, you did talk about that last week of like. Eddie would be the only person who could understand and like absolve her of that guilt, like get rid of it and kind of forgive her because he would feel the exact same guilt over Chrissy. Yeah. Chrissy would not have been. I mean, but that's the thing. Well, and you know who else would have really understood? Eleven. Maybe. Because if you if you tie in season four. She blames herself for all of this. But I feel like Eleven, until what happened with Max, I don't think that she understood, like, she had a single person. Like, there was just a lot of people. And there, I think that there was it's... a lot of people, but Max was the first time, because that was a thing that they talked about where it was the first time Eleven lost a fight. Yeah. Um, but I think that Eleven would understand that guilt of, like, my actions hurt someone else. I think. 
that she would understand that. But I think within you can't hold on to like you can't say that it's your fault. You can't say losing Barb is your fault. You can't say losing Chrissy is your fault. I think Eleven could provide context to like the greater fight, but I don't think that until she lost Max, she would really understand like the guilt of losing a person that you cared so much about because of your actions because you had Barb go to this party. You didn't you went upstairs when you told her you wouldn't well you wouldn't go. You had her park 3 blocks away. She was worried about you, so she stayed. Where it's like Chrissy followed Eddie into his house. Yeah. Chrissy trusted Eddie. But I also and don't I, know that I would say Eddie feels that guilt as strongly either because he didn't do anything like that would have happened to Chrissy no matter where she was. There wasn't anything that he did specifically to put her there. Whereas like Nancy put Barb there and then isolated her. I think that he would still blame himself because he ran away. I'm going to pause this. This is not season one talk. Damn, you right. Uh, I always fall into the trap. I just want to talk about my favorite No, you just want to talk about Eddie. That's all you want to do. I do. I do, my boy. That's okay. So, anyways, oh, I, I um, want to talk about how good Hopper is at his job. Because Hopper is so fucking good at his job. Yes. Um, I will say really quickly, Eleven and the kids are all incredibly like, don't tell any adult. Don't tell the adults. No adults can know. But then she is kind of just wandering around their house during the middle of the day. Not when the mom's there. But, like, she's going around. She's touching stuff. She's not being super secretive to not get noticed in the house. And she could come back at any moment. Like, this has happened in the earlier episode where she got trapped up in Mike's closet because she was wandering around upstairs with zero regards for getting caught. No, Mike took her upstairs and was showing stuff in his room. I'm just saying, Eleven just being out and about. I'm, and they're not exactly talking quietly, especially on the walkies later on in this episode. All right, or the I next think episode. you're judging but, slightly too harshly. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm judging harshly enough. I think I'm just saying they are wandering around that house. They're constantly almost caught, and for what? That's all I'm gonna say. You know what? All I'm gonna say. Not, they almost got caught once. Oh, also, Papa's name is Dr. Brenner. Dr. Brenner, um, that's right. Martin Brenner, I think it was. Yeah, I Dr. I only Brenner. put down Dr. Brenner. I, I know they even said his first name, and I totally... It is Martin Brenner. Martin Brenner. Martin Brenner. And he was part of MK Ultra. Was part of MK Ultra. Mm-hmm. And we did see the name Terry Ives. Yes, I did look that up. I was really excited that they had Terry Ives for that little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I yes, think, we can talk about I think season Hopper. two was um, foreshadowed well enough in season one. I think they did put in some things of like, if we do have season to Season two was pretty well. Yeah. They did set up a lot of dominoes. And you can also see that in Nancy and Jonathan's relationship within this episode and episode four. Yeah. All of the dominoes they were setting up to knock down. But um, um, Hopper, being a detective... Notice they were lying because of the rain. The fucking librarian. Which is a different lady. It is a different um, lady because her name was Marissa. And the last lady's, lady's yeah. name was Sandra. 
And the fucking deputy just going, really? The librarian? I did go back and check. I paused the episode, went back to episode two, found who Hopper was talking with. Oh, I wrote down her name. That's why I knew that. I wrote down her name in my notes. Oh, I never write down the names of Because I had the question, who the fuck is Sandra? Um, also, I had no, the thought, important. does Mike's mom ever meet Eleven? Like, ever? I don't think so. Unless it's in season three. At the very least, she does not meet her until season three. Yeah, I think um, it must be season three because she knows that he's dating Eleven. So right. I think they meet in season three or at the end of season two. But anyways, are we on, are we ready to talk about the big moment? It's Christmas light time. Okay. I was like, I don't know what, what, what we're talking about. All um, of this no, is just build up to talk about the fucking Christmas lights. The Christmas lights were fantastic. Um, I forgot that Mrs. Wheeler shows up to Joyce's house and there's all of these fucking Christmas lights all over the place. Oh, yeah. But my favorite reaction is from baby Holly. I know. Who's just looking at the lights and then looks at her mom like bombastic side eye. <laughs> and then it um, really made me appreciate how much of a player Karen Wheeler is in this season because she really does not become much of a player in the later seasons. And I'm like, she's got to just be tapped out because this has been such a wild ride. Three days, because this is again just Wednesday. She goes to check on her friend because I have to imagine they've been good friends while their boys well, have been really so good friends. So let's think about this from Karen's perspective. So she has the last known place where Will was, was her house. Her son's mm-hmm. best friend goes missing. Yep. Last known place, her house. Her daughter sneaks out, comes home late for the first time ever, not like her, the next day. The day after that, her daughter then ad- admits, oh, my best friend is now missing after we went to a party. And she goes over to visit the son of her, be- her son, the mother of her son's best friend. And there are fucking Christmas lights everywhere. Like an insane amount. And then Holly goes wandering off and she's like, sorry, she just loves exploring. I'm really sorry. And then Joyce is like, she needs to get out. She's like, Joyce loses her mind. And then it's like, did, did you see something? What did you see in the walls? Well, did you Toddler? remember Holly said yes? Yeah. No, I know. Which I have a feeling in my heart because Holly always seems right on the outskirts of the upside down. She's always right on the periphery of the group because she's was able to see like the thing coming out of the wall in this season. Then most recently in season four, she's like looking at the light bright. And it's like her light bright that's taken and she's coloring with Max or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if there's going to be something about Holly that because she's going to be older, she's going to be old enough to like, you know, interact with the kids like on a more verbal level. Yeah. In this in season five, I wonder if she's going to become more of a player or if she's going to be something because Erica is like a little tiny baby girl in not a baby, but like she's an elementary schooler like pretty young in season one and then she's a middle schooler and i know that duffers don't know how ages work so they could just kind of randomly age up holly a little bit and have her be like the annoying seven or eight year old sister Mm -hmm. that 
can talk and do things and get involved in the shenanigans. And I just wonder if she's going to be some kind of player in season five with this foreshadowing of her constantly seeing things and being on the outskirts. Yeah, it might the also upside down. It might also just be the Duffel Brothers who make the dichotomy between the innocence of being a young child slash baby and like the the upside down and like how we're more connected as when we're younger and things like that. Um also Joyce chaotically hammering nails in and like hanging up the lights everywhere in the house and then just going to the store and putting every single box of Christmas lights on that counter and that line of just just ring me up Donald like just ring me up Donald just ring me up Donald I love this woman Like it's it's really hard to not root for her. Oh, 100%. and it's kind of sad to see how the fandom has very clearly split between Joyce is a good mother and she's great and fantastic and free of all sin, whereas Karen does not get the same treatment. But when you're just watching these episodes in isolation, this is okay. I I hate when people do this. I absolutely hate because here's the thing: Joyce, not the best mother. But here's the thing is I'm not going to say that anyone is the best mother. Like she very clearly has failed Jonathan multiple times. She has her She is a good mother to Will. She is a good mother to Will and she is fighting to find Will. And I'm not going to say that she is a perfect mother. I'm not going to say that she's free of all sin because she definitely does stuff that like is not the best. You can love a character without them being perfect. Oh, very true. And I just and hate like, when people do wrong. that. I hate when people do that. And they're like, oh, she's perfect, can do no wrong. And it's like... Karen does want to sleep with Billy, who is a minor. So I'm not saying Karen's great. But up in season one... I like, think that's season also one, the Duffer brothers forgetting ages. Honest to, honest to God. How because- old is Billy supposed to be? Um, he's Steve's age, so he would be 17, 18. He's a senior. Um, while you look that up. So he's 18 years old in the third season of Stranger Things, so he's technically not okay. a minor. Not technically a minor. But, like, he's still a high school. He's the most though. not minor, he's the most minor not minor you could be. I'm just saying, I don't know how anyone looks at an 18-year-old boy and is like, mm-hmm, that one. They're gross. Yeah, but... It's Billy. He's got the mullet and the curls and the mustache. And a lot of internalized racism and homophobia. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. I don't think she wanted to sleep with him. I think that she... She liked the attention Well, and I think that's the thing, is that, again, okay, pause. We're talking about season three. We need to not talk about season three. That was season two. No, wasn't it? That was, was season, that season three, three because it was when he was a lifeguard. Dang it. Dang Do it. not recite the magic. Magic of me. Which I, was I was there, there when it was written. Was written. <laughs> God, I. I just don't want to talk about what's next on the list for this episode in which we see Jonathan getting, I guess, bullied. No. OK, but- no. Now, here's the thing that I will say. One, side note, Poe just killed a bug. Poe, my cat, just killed a bug. 
my friend told me today. She Good was job, like, Poe. I was listening and like, I got all the context that you were saying, but like, sometimes your listeners might not know what you're talking about. Like, I knew you were talking about Poe one time, but like, I don't know that you've ever talked about Poe. And I guess I'm like, okay, well, I guess I should clarify. I have a cat named Poe. He just ate a bug. Good for you, buddy. Anyways. Okay. Can I go on a bit of a diatribe, diatribe about this scene with Jonathan? In the dark room? In the dark room and then at the car. I'll allow it. Okay. Here's the thing. Jonathan is developing pictures of Nancy with her top off at school. This girl walks in and sees them. I do not blame her at all for going to Steve and saying, yo, this creep has pictures of your girlfriend topless. Why didn't she go to Nancy? I think she's friends with Steve, was the vibe I got. Like, I feel like everyone's kind of friends with Steve. Like, he's a very popular guy. But also, maybe she couldn't find Nancy. That's fair. Maybe she found Steve That's first. That's fair. Before finding Nancy, and was assumed where one is, the other will be, you know? Hey, that's fair. Um, no, I don't blame her for going and immediately telling someone, though. So, here's what happens. Now, this episode or this this scene is supposed to make us hate Steve. No, here's the thing. I just realized she probably recognized it as Steve's house. So <gasps> went to tell right. Steve he was lurking outside. He was lurking outside your house. Because mm. it's the back of Nancy. So she probably didn't realize that it was Nancy. But she did recognize, recognize Steve's house. Yep. So that's that makes a lot more sense. I answered my own question. Okay. Um, Out of you. Way to go, me. Look at you go. I'm okay. So, so here's the thing. No, but um, you're right. This is definitely setting up, again, for us to not like Steve and for us to think poorly of Steve because of how he treats Jonathan. However, if you find out that some kid is creeping in the back of your house, taking pictures of you and your friends, hanging out without permission, and then those pictures include your girlfriend taking her top off, which he knows is a very vulnerable moment for Nancy... And now, like, someone has taken pictures of this without her permission. Mm -hmm. To do who knows what with. To do who knows what with. And he says, okay, I'm going to break your camera now. I, personally, I'm on Steve's side. I am, too. Well, because think of how weird that is for Steve as well. Because this is also Jonathan taking pictures of him in a vulnerable moment and like yeah because he's in some of the pictures it's weird and it's uncomfortable it's weird and it's uncomfortable and i do not blame him for being like i get that they're supposed to be like oh the bully but it's like no jonathan was being fucking creepy he took pictures of people when he should not have and he has the consequences of his actions and the thing is i know that we the audience get to see other very vulnerable moments with Jonathan. So we know Jonathan's this good guy with a heart of gold who's not actually creepy. But now he's creepy. He does not apologize to Nancy until the next episode. He doesn't apologize at all. They just go in for the game. And Nancy picks up the pieces of the photograph. And it's almost like, is Nancy mad at Steve for ripping that up and for smashing the camera? I think what it is, Nancy saw Barb. 
Nancy saw a picture of Barb because that's what was laying on the ground. If like it's a very fast shot, but if you see, you see Nancy look down and it's Barb sitting there. So she glance, she reaches yeah. down because she's like, oh my god, it's Barb. So that's why she gathers these pictures, like these pieces, is because it's Barb. I don't think she's thinking about anything else except for Barb at this current moment. I don't think she's Which, mad at Steve. I think that she's feeling a lot of everything right now. She just lost her virginity. It wasn't everything she thought it was going to be. Her best friend is now missing. Well, and I think it's that she figured out Barb is missing. She doesn't know where she is. She called her mom and her mom's like, I thought she was staying over at your house. And it's Nancy's lie is kind of catching up with her in the worst possible way. Yeah. And she sees the image. So she's like, oh, my God, Barb was waiting for me there last night. And now she's missing. I knew something was wrong. But it's just. I don't know what we the audience are supposed to feel after that, because everything for me is like Steve is in the right. He made the right choice. He did the right thing. But I feel like we're supposed to leave that scene being like, wow, Steve is such an asshole to this poor kid who's going through so much. And Jonathan doesn't even like apologize. I think I don't think Nancy is supposed to be mad at Steve. I don't think Nancy's I genuinely think that Nancy is only thinking about Barb. Because she sees that picture and then in the hallway, it's not like she leaves because she's mad at Steve. She leaves because all she can think about is going to look for Barb. Yeah. Which again, how did she get back to his house? Yeah. Which I had, because I wrote down, like, they're clearly, we're supposed to think because of Steve's friends acting like assholes that Steve is also an asshole by association. But Steve is trying to understand Nancy. And we do see him trying to understand, like, hey, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? And she can't vocalize it, obviously, because she's feeling too much of everything. And how do you vocalize, I think my friend is dead and it's my fault? Like, how do you vocalize that without also sounding insane? Yeah. I will say, uh, speaking of Steve and Nancy sneaking back to his backyard, a lot of stuff is happening around Steve's house. Mm -hmm. So I'm really surprised that the Duffer brothers didn't have the forethought to make Steve a bigger player? Like they were just gonna write him out? I think what it is is just, it's the idea that there's woods behind his house and the woods are all connected. So the woods that Will got lost in, the woods behind his house, Steve's house, and the woods behind Will's house are all a connected piece of wood. So whatever it is, like this Demogorgon is just existing within this, within this space of woods and hasn't broken out of that yet. And so it's just the woods as an entity. It's a very fairy tale feeling going into the woods in any space is scary. Right. But if Steve also lives on the edge of the woods, wouldn't it make sense to just have him from the get go be a more involved character? Listen, we said it last episode. The Duffer brothers are very great at what they do. Sometimes they get lucky. And in this case, with Steve, they got lucky. They did get lucky. And it it's very convenient how things fell into place to make Steve the character Steve is for the Duffer brothers, which is just crazy considering they really weren't going to, which made me think, and this is, I'll talk more about it when we talk about episode four. Um, I feel like Eddie is exactly what they were hoping Jonathan would be. I think that they were really banking on people jumping on Jonathan as the lovable weirdo outcast and it just didn't take. And I yeah, think because it's because when of you're the creepy, pictures. people don't do like don't be creepy. 
don't take pictures in the woods at the middle of the night no. at someone's house like camped don't out there take pictures of people without their permission that, that just don't do that do not take pictures of people without their permission let's talk about my next favorite thing which is i'm going back to the christmas lights because that scene where she turns on all of the christmas lights and it's everywhere and she has them all lit up and then you can see she makes the wall will walking and that that other shot where she is inside this is the shot that is going to live in my brain it might be the last thing i think about before i die i love it so much but she is sitting in that cupboard holding that bundle of lights curled up in there, that mm -hmm. shot, Shawnee boy, Shawnee boy, you've made a masterpiece. The and lights, the lights are calling. <laughs> everything down to like the red light bulb on that end and that bass drop, just. It's so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. It's just, I, mm. Mm. I, I love the letter yeah. wall. So amazing. But yeah, Joyce has barely slept. Um, Nancy finds Barb's car. Yeah, which then Nancy goes to her mom and says, hey, something bad happened. Here's what actually happened. Right after Mrs. Wheeler gets back from seeing Joyce. I know. Karen Wheeler is a Karen Wheeler is also going through it. She's a trooper. She is a trooper. That's why I said Karen Wheeler is trying her goddamn best. Because, like, she is dealing yeah. with two ordinary tweens and teenagers. Like, a tween, a teen. She's dealing with a baby. And a baby. She's dealing with a husband who does not do shit about anything. She, like, this woman, I want to give her a hug. <laughs> I know. I just want to give her a hug. Um... I think, oh, the last thing I want to talk about for episode three, we get some very important flashbacks for Elle. We do. Um, I did say Elle just like me for real. I would kill a man, but I could never hurt an animal. Honestly, relatable. Just like me for real, for real. Just like me. The girlies know. Um, so we have the scene with the Coke can, which is the first little tidbit that we see that she is being tested in some way, like they're mm -hmm. running tests on her. We see the thing with the cat and we recognize that she gets punished. Now, here is a thing that I know the Duffer brothers did not plan for, but were very smart about. Did you notice how she killed the guy? With the neck snap? Yeah. I feel like you're leading up to something and I am missing it. So, so hit me with she it. tilted her head. And you remember what one does when he kills people? He tilts his head. Damn. So while they did not plan for it, they did draw back to a season one very small thing. But it is the first time that we see Eleven kill someone. And both of them tilt their head. Which I wonder how much of that is direction on the Duffer brothers part or Sean's part um versus Jamie oh god I don't what's all I could think was Jamie Lee Curtis I know um, that's not right and that's what I was about to say 
um oh god i know his name's jamie but the guy who plays henry um vecna i wonder how much of that is he wanted to try to tie in something or like act with jamie campbell jamie campbell thank you Mm -hmm. so i wonder like how much of that is intentional but that is a really cool tie-in i yeah and that's the thing that i really love is like you're right they didn't they didn't put in a lot of things that they could have with like the conversation with hopper they different stuff but i what i want to know is that scene where 11 kills this orderly when did that happen in the timeline with one the assumption is Um, that everything in season one is after after. okay so after what i call the rainbow room incident yeah the rainbow room incident because that's the other thing that rainbow room is now where the the portal portal is. is which which that's not where the portal is in season one that is not the same room so is this a different portal then i don't think it is because which here's the thing i think this is like wait do we know that that's not this the rainbow room and they just built around it as the portal expanded um you know what i will go through and i will do shot by shot comparisons but i do not think that's the rainbow i do not think that's the rainbow room based on what i remember because there's and here's the thing maybe they did build out around it and i'm wrong but the from where the portal is in relation to the rest of the room from where season four it rainbow room is it doesn't match up interior wise it it would make sense then that the portal maybe broke open somewhere else that's possible because that we, is possible you also have to remember the portal from season two that went down so it's very possible that there is this massive seam from the rainbow room straight down and it's possible that this new portal is potentially a level beneath where the rainbow room is but on that same line which is possible possible it's just that that's it's not in the rainbow room yeah. as we know the rainbow room. as we know of the which rainbow room be, not there yeah which would be ground zero ground zero seems like a weird thing to call it but like but it is portal kind one. of yeah yeah so that's where portal one is but that's not the same as where we would have seen l send one this is now a different room so they would be at a different portal but i don't know if that was intentional or not considering season two we do have other portals and season four we have other portals because the whole thing about season four was other portals yeah just in season one if we see this portal we have to assume this is the one and only portal but what we know about the rest of the seasons so it doesn't make sense but it's not the only how the portal. portal system works it's not the only portal because but as far as we know in season one that would be the only portal but i guess we're tying in too many things from other seasons well, no but what i'm saying is even that. in season one nancy goes through remember it's gonna we're gonna talk about it next week but there's a scene in which nancy goes through no i'm gonna be so honest with you i don't remember a lot of season one <laughs> okay. i don't rewatch season one i rewatch season two and season four almost exclusively i watch all of them over and over and over because in case you can't tell i am fucking obsessed anyway i rewatch my comfort season which is season two and now season four i can't believe your comfort season does not include lesbian icon robin um i think it's because i couldn't stand the fan base uh for season three oh see this is what this is where my technique comes in handy don't go online (laughs) 
just enjoy oh, things. Nope, can't do that. Um, mm, I don't know if I can't go online and show people how much I like stuff. If I can't make a podcast about it. Do I even like it? I make a podcast. I don't go online. Anyways, um, the last thing about this episode, and then we need to move on. But this is the thing about Sean's episodes is they're so big. So much happens in them. They are really big and they tie in with the other seasons so well too, which I think is just so much care put into Sean that he doesn't even realize that he's putting in so much he's care. So good. But I will say to end this episode, yeah. I forgot that Will was wearing his little Marty McFly outfit. <laughs> so I do have an all caps Marty McFly. No. <laughs> Marty, no. Marty, not my Marty boy. Um, And then I also wanted to just throw out this question of this has been the worst week for Karen Wheeler specifically. <laughs> and I wonder if she thinks if she had let that campaign go another 15 minutes, <laughs> if she had just let them play for another half hour, was it really that important? All of this could have been avoided. This poor woman. This poor fucking woman. I wonder if that keeps her up at night because it would keep me up at night. This, yeah. Um, one last thing that I want to say. Steve is not on the basketball team. <laughs> I think I'll rewatch this episode. <laughs> Because he says the game's about to start, but they're waiting in the hallway for the game to start. Oh my god, you're right. He's not on the basketball team. <laughs> I don't know. I For a second, I didn't know if that silence was you going, uh-huh, yeah, and? Or was you going, oh no, I've broken. No, I've broken. <laughs> I, he joins the basketball team his senior year. Then. Oh my god. This isn't even a multi-season thing. I know. <laughs> Why so much shit happened at Steve's house? Why is he not a main character in for them in this point? Is November a basketball season or football season? Because maybe it's supposed to be a football game. It could be a football game. I think it might be more likely that it's a football game because November is football time okay all is football so basketball is kind of a weird springtime. fall winter okay kind of thing okay it's a little bit weirder so it could it may have not been a basketball game however they were heading inside to watch the game exactly and football is played at night um for afternoon i don't want people to like stab me but <laughs> it's a weird concern for you to have about football we live in Philadelphia. That's a very normal concern to have. Oh, you do. <laughs> My friend texted me today and was like, is your city okay? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not in it. <laughs> the answer is usually no, but we're just vibing. And now we're back from our commercial break to talk about episode four. Episode four. So it is still Wednesday night. Here's the two things that I wait. We didn't even talk about how we did. Okay. To, just to address, at the end of episode three, they find a quote-unquote body. They find yeah, Will's quote-unquote body, body in, in the quarry. So now here is my the first two notes that I have for episode four. Winona fucking Ryder and David fucking Harbor. That scene that opens episode four is one of the most heart-wrenching 
stunning, amazing scenes between the two of them. Like, I just... And then Hopper stays in his car outside. They are endgame. I just... Okay, I've let it all out. I've let it out. Yeah, no, it's it's very Agreed. good. Um, I was saying, so in my notes along that same line, I said Joyce having someone believe her is the only thing that makes her any different from Terry Ives because no one believed Terry Ives. No one believed Terry when she's like, they took my baby away. She was alive and they took her. No one believed her and she fought tooth and nail and everyone just wrote her off as a nut job. Um, which jumping back to episode three, I did make note of the um, headlines because we couldn't really read the articles, but I did make notes of the headline titles. Lab blocks inquiry is one head title and alleged alleged experiments, comma, abuse is the second headline. And then the other one that we see is MK Ultra explode, um, MK Ultra exposed and we see Papa in the picture of scientists being exposed. And that's the only thing that we can really see with the newspapers that um i I thought there was one that also said terry ives sues i think that was like one of the only lines that you could read in the article i thought it was a headline but i'm probably misremembering um i i don't i didn't get that one as a headline because the headlines were sounded really weird to me because i'm like those don't sound like headlines older newspapers have wild headlines that's a that's a thing and i think it's because um news was news and not media for me to consume there it is. There's the difference. Okay, so at this point, Joyce has barely slept in like two days. And yeah. she marches out back and grabs a fucking axe to sit on the couch and wait for this thing to come back. So Joyce finally gets some sleep. How, my question, how did Eleven get back into Mike's basement if he was like, no, fuck you? I think because Mike has a soft spot for Eleven. Okay. And still let her come back in. And I think because she could sneak out, she can sneak in. Um, but I did want to say they set up the pining between Will and Mike so early on. Season one, this shit is being set up. Because Mike was looking longingly and sadly and like tracing an image of the party. And I can only assume that he's tracing the face of Will the Wise in this little drawing that he did. Well, his friend before just he like died. shuts down. Yeah, before he shuts down anything that Eleven wants to say. Like, completely shuts her down, does not want to talk. You promised me she was alive. Like, he was pissed. And he's, like, longingly looking at not the image upstairs. Like, he has a photograph of his friend. He's looking at what I can only assume is a drawing that Will made for him. Yeah, they're the drawings from his best friend who he thinks is dead. Yeah, the pining that's not pining that's grieving he's i have never once grieved and stroked the face of a person in a picture the way that has your best friend died well you constantly say you want to i'm just waiting for it jesus christ i'll make sure you have a picture to stroke (laughs) then you better hand draw it and it better be for (laughs) dnd it will be a stick figure with two curly cues coming off of the top to represent my hair Wait, but I have to be in it too. It has to be of the whole party. Okay, we'll make our D&D characters. Okay, I want to say, end of episode three, the dichotomy of the shots between Joyce and Jonathan and Mike and Karen hugging. Mm -hmm. Which I also just want to say, in that moment when Mike comes in and Karen hugs him, Nancy's in the background giving a report to the police. Yeah. 
Like she going through it. <laughs> this the family is so traumatic. But also those the shots are just amazing. That's all I wanted to say. Okay, back to episode four. Also, I'm sorry. That was a really dark joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just listen. That came out of nowhere. That was the, a dark joke. For the first year of my life, finally, I don't. So, like, let's make jokes about hey. it. Here we go. Let's celebrate. Um. um okay. So Jonathan's whole family is falling the fuck apart. Mm -hmm. I feel bad for him. Still a creep. Yeah. Nancy needs to start telling Steve things. So this is the next thing is we have this scene between Steve and Nancy where she's like, he's like, she's missing. We have to go to the police. And he's like, okay, well, if you do like, please don't say anything about the beers. Like my parents are going to be really angry. And Nancy's like, oh my God, yes. how I don't believe, I can't believe that you would say this. And it's like, okay, if if we know anything about Steve's dad. That's what I was going to say. I made note of that, okay? Because I was saying, like, Steve is listening to Nancy. He's not quite hearing her, but he's not questioning her sanity. He's trying to understand. He's not saying, no, you're crazy. He's not shutting her down. He's also not telling he's her listening. not to go to the police. He's saying, okay, well, can you just not mention the beers? And he seems really worried, like, genuinely, like, Oh my god, my dad's gonna find out. He's an he's a soup he's an asshole. Which, if I am understanding right, his dad seems tiny bit abusive. What we know, um, in canon in season one, because I think a lot of fanon, uh, fan canon has just been decided around Steve's parents because right. we never hear them. We don't know their names. They never show up. We know that his mom followed his dad on a business trip because his mom does not trust his dad we can assume that steve is an only child and steve seems genuinely terrified at the idea of his dad finding out that he was drinking like he seems distraught and he's and like had go people, to the police and had people over to the house when his parents weren't home um i think that having people over may not have been as big of a deal but definitely the drinking yeah. Like, I think he was willing to bite the bullet and be like, yes, I had people over. Just talking about the drinking uh, seems to have be an issue. Which, like, I get it. If you're not supposed to have people over when your parents are out of town, you're not supposed to be drinking. And then you have to go to the police and your parents are going to find out you were drinking. Like, I get it. I get it. And he's still being like, okay, that's fine. Just, like, don't say this stuff. Like, this sucks now. They're all going to want to talk to us. And Nancy's like, oh, my God, how could you? Why don't you care? And it's like, dude, Barb is also not his friend. Like, yeah, I like I get being like, oh, this is my not girlfriend because she won't admit that we're dating. So she's not my girlfriend. It's her best friend who's been missing for less than 24 hours. I understand be concerned. But also, like, Which, there's other factors. I put this in a note as well. Like, Steve is trying really hard to please Nancy. And Eleven is trying really hard to please Mike. And both Mike and Nancy are acting the same way where it's they just kind of say no. And like if you don't immediately jump on and understand everything that they're saying, which they're not. I mean, Mike is grieving. I also still think he like they set up this idea of pining and like not understanding feelings. Like, yes, he's grieving. But I'm also just saying I do think that they set up Mike pining after Will and we can talk about that more in later seasons, but yeah. I think you have a point there. I just, like, uh, anyways, 
it felt very longing. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, you see who are clearly the love interests for the Wheelers being rejected when they're trying to help. Yeah. And I find it really interesting because the same, they're mimicking their father's behavior. Both of them are. Because when Karen needs something from, I think his name's Ted. Ted. From, yeah, Ted Wheeler. It's, he kind of just isn't there. He isn't present. He's very rejected. Yeah. And they're mimicking their father's behavior towards their mother, but they're acting like their mom because it's not like their mom really vocalizes like i need you to back me up here with the kids i need you to say this and that's on growing up in a dysfunctional unhealthy household raise your hand if you also grew up in one of those this is this isn't a visual medium i know that's just why they'll never know (laughs) (laughs) did we raise our hands do you know i'll never tell anyways we get to talk about now one of my favorite scenes of this entire season Eleven in a blonde wig. Oh, I was gonna say, um, when Lucas goes wooter. Oh my god! Wait, I caught that too. I did not catch that until I moved to this area. But he said wooter, 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 and I was like, wooter. That boy is from Pennsylvania. The way I. I wish that you were sitting next to me because I did the slow turn the same way we do our jump scare, like. Uh. I know. I, I turned, literally did and the like, same thing. And you weren't there to see it. But you were there in spirit. I know you were. Um, I was but yes, no, spirit. I love the makeover scene with Eleven. Um, I will never, ever accept that they just have a perfect lace front wig that fits Eleven perfectly where the lace is trimmed and it fits and it's perfect and it looks great after sitting in a costume box. Okay, this is a suspend your disbelief moment. For costuming no. purposes, suspend your disbelief. I can't. Um, I also said they really breakfast clubbed this because I think Eleven looked better before the makeover. In the same way in Breakfast Club, when the basket case gets the popular girl makeover, I'm like, she looked better before. Okay, but just... I understand the makeover scene was to make her look like a normal girl, normal in quotations, without a shaved head and like make her look more feminine. And Although, they, in all honesty, they should have just kept her looking like a boy because that would have been a lot easier. Except for realistic. people are looking for a shaved head boy, remember, from Benny's. Oh, damn, you're right, you're right. Yeah, so they had to hide her. I'm just having a really hard time with that wig. And oh I know that's God. a little cosplayer thing. It's a cosplayer thing? I'm sorry, you didn't have a wig. Uh, you didn't have an issue with the wig from Stepford Wives, but you have an issue with this wig. Yeah, because Stepford Wives, I can absolutely 110% buy that they would have wigs ready to go to make women blonde oh, i just hate that wig. i cannot buy it margo <laughs> i want you to go into your basement i'm already in my basement pull out, pull i'm already out, in my basement pull out your costume bin i don't when you were a child um actually that is with my older sister now in colorado so okay and also fun fact we didn't have any wigs so okay i okay you don't realize i did not grow up around wigs or fake hair of any kind fake hair real hair hair freaks me out remember the last time i told you this and then you flipped your ponytail in my face (laughs) i don't think that was on purpose was it it was on the live stream i'm pretty sure oh yeah it totally would have been on purpose (laughs) okay 
Um, okay. We will go to a party city right now. We will go to party city. We'll go to spirit Halloween, which by the way, those wigs have stepped up in quality over the past 10 years. And I'm saying as an avid cosplayer, as someone who does this for fun and puts on the wigs, you don't just have that kind of wig lying around. And that is something I've seen within the cosplay community. It's constant discourse. It bugs all of us because it's a perfect lace front wig that is perfectly to her little shaved head because she kind of got a little widow's peak going on and it fits her perfectly and that drove me bonkers i love i love discovering the things that you get hung up on in shows that i can just accept and then the things that i get hung up on that you just accept Mm -hmm. i truly love it yeah because stepford if they can make women into atm machines i believe they have wigs I believe that. No, it's, I totally believe they have wigs. I just didn't like that wig. Well, you don't have to like it. <laughs> this one, I don't think that it's realistic. That one, I really, I'm really glad that Millie Bobby Brown is not that blonde in real life. Yeah, that or she was has not darker that blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm really glad it does not suit her coloring. It's that they were able to just pull out a lace front wig from a costume bin okay. in the basement. I'm gonna, that drove me insane. I'm going to move on from this discussion. This is enough we wig We definitely talk. should. Um, but I do want us to rank every makeover because Elle gets a makeover like in every um, season. Oh my God, And I does. do want to know why season three is the best makeover of all time. Um, because it's with Max. I know it's kind of a rhetorical question because you don't even understand we rank them all and then why is season three the best one and it's because of Max you don't even understand how much I violently love Max I it she Sadie Sink is just so good I just I can't wait till we get to talk about her okay so insane but we need to move on because we're going to start talking about Sadie Sink this is future episodes too much we might have to do episode seven and eight in separate episodes Most likely, if I'm honest. <laughs> because we're in an hour and a half of recording, and we've barely touched episode four. Yeah, but I don't have that much else to really talk about with episode four. I oh, made a I lot do. of notes um, with the iconic lines. Okay, wait. One of my favorite is remember to look sad. Remember to look sad, but before that, so Elle has her big reveal. She has this perfect lace front wig on. You're upset about it. The boys are astounded and Mike says, pretty, and then goes, good. And Lucas's face in the background of that shot is just like the most, what the fuck did you just say disgust on Lucas's face? I died. So good. And then we go into one of the best scenes of these four kids together. They're trying to get into the AV club. Mr. Clark oh, yeah. finds them, and uh, who was it? Sweden. Lucas goes backwards up against the door, just being like hugging the door, like, and then is smiling, and then just goes, "No, sad." And then like they're walking down the hallway, and they're like, "Make sure you're sad, like sad face." And then like so Lucas or Dustin leans lines. on, and they're all like, "Oh my god!" That entire sequence was just like, "Oh!" And then they walk into the assembly, yeah. and Dustin just goes abort and they push him in and yeah. 
Oh, making the bully pee himself. That was L made not the bully lie, pee himself. Not gonna lie, that was kind of funny. That was that's kind of funny. so good. That but that's that scene for some reason when he like is going to punch and then just freezes. For some reason, it always makes me think of Sky High. I don't know why. Me too. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me, but it made me think of Sky High. <laughs> he went to the Sky High School of Acting. Yeah. Um. Okay, I got all of that out. I just love these kids so much. Um, the moment we do get more in, we do get more shots in the lab. We get a scene in the lab mm -hmm. going into this portal, and we see a guy die. So they know that something is in the portal. They're trying to figure it out. He just says it looks the same, but everything's covered in blood. Um, the CGI. Definitely a lower budget. Could tell. I feel like it aged pretty well, though. It aged pretty well, but you can kind of see. As someone who has watched, who used to be hyper-obsessed with everything, movies and CGI and everything like that, you can tell. But it's not bad. Yes. No, not like, bad. I, I agree. You can definitely tell, but I feel like it's not that bad. Like, I think it ages well it for ages, where it's at. It ages well for where it's at. And it gives us some information um, about how the portal works. Then Joyce sees Will in the wall. So Will is like in the wall, Rue in the upside down. They have a conversation. So we mm -hmm. see Will there. Demogorgon comes after him. Joyce takes her axe. Chops through the chops, wall. Chops through the hole. wall, makes a hole in the wall. This is also season episode four is when we get our second bullshit of season one yes the big bullshit so, moment nancy is pretty much like called out she paints herself into a corner with her words by saying i just went upstairs to put on dry clothes i was up there to talk with it like we just talked i'm not just, dating him we just talked was this before or after you changed and it's one of those things where she's lying to protect herself even in this moment, she's supposed to be trying to help them find Barb. Yeah. And like, it's, I, and then afterwards, Karen is so fucking pissed. And I'm like, this is the moment where Karen's like, fuck these kids, fuck this town. I'm done giving a shit actually, because she, in Karen's timeline, she, her son's best friend goes missing after she kicks him out of the house. She's not kicking him out of the house, but after she sends him home. Yeah. She sends him home. He goes missing. And now Nancy's acting kind of weird, kind of cagey, just off. Something's wrong. Like a child is missing and they don't know who or what took him. So her children are in danger. She goes to visit her friend, Joyce. Joyce is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. There's lights everywhere. <laughs> it's messy. This woman has gone off the deep end. Nancy, God knows where Nancy is. She's not home after she said that she would be home. So her daughter is now missing and acting even weirder, like two seconds away from crying when she gets in and won't tell me what's wrong. But I know something's wrong. Then she's like, you know, she comes back. Nancy's like, I think something bad happened to Barb. I think she's missing. And then she's like, oh, my God, my daughter just got late. Like, my daughter was fucking. Oh, and well, then also they found my son's best friend's body. Oh, they found Will <laughs> dead, dead in the fucking quarry. And it's been three days. <laughs> It's th all this happening within three days. And now she's like, I have to talk with my daughter to the police about where her friend is missing. 
And then I put together the pieces that my daughter has been seeing a boy behind my back. So she's been lying to me for how, who knows how long about this guy. And she was sleeping with him. And, and we know, I mean, Karen knows what happens when you get pregnant too young. Karen knows what happens when you fall in love with the cute boy from your high school and it's her life. And she's trying to save Nancy from that life. Exactly. And that is the moment that Karen's like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't give a shit. Let these bitches do what they want. Because <laughs> that's exactly the moment that I would be tapping out to. But honestly, like, I I don't know that she... I don't know. I'll have to watch the next episodes to to see for sure if I agree with that or not. But No, I think that she is... Like, she sticks it out through season one. But I feel like I would just start tapping out. I'd be like, you know what? They can fend for themselves. I fucked up these two. There's hope for Holly, and that's about it. <laughs> there is that line in, in, I think it's season four, where she's like, who the hell knows where our kids are right now? <laughs> yeah. There is that line where she's just like, all the parents together in season four is, I can't wait to talk about that. Um, oh, it's going to be so good. Um, oh, and then the other thing I'd like to say is that Finn Wolfhard studied at the Florence Pugh School of Frowns and Pouts. Because he can frown, he can frown and he can pout with the best of them at a level that only Florence Pugh has displayed, and that's the only other silly notes that I have. Um, besides when Jonathan meets up with Nancy, or Nancy meets up with Jonathan at the funeral the home. funeral home. Yes, so Jonathan is attempting to pick out a casket for Will. Nancy shows mm-hmm. up and is like, "Hey, this picture. Did you see anything else?" I thought I saw a man without a face. And he's like, oh, that's exactly what my mom said is crawling out of the walls. So he entertains yeah. her. And they go her and they blow the up the picture room. in the dark room. And it's Mr. Demo. Yes. And Jonathan Morgan. talks about taking pictures, why he likes taking pictures so much. Um, Nancy brings up that he took pictures of her. Because he didn't apologize. And then his apology is, I shouldn't have taken that. I'm sorry, before Nancy cuts him off. Being like, hey, it's Mr. Demo. And I would just like to say, I was infuriated watching this. Because Nancy doesn't seem to give a shit. Nancy has, this is the thing about Nancy Wheeler. She has a one-track mind. She thinks about one thing. And one thing only in every single season. You cannot get her to think about anything else. Season three is another perfect example of this. Season two and season three. And season four. I was going like, to say season four. Yeah, no, every no, season. Like, Nancy has a one-track mind, and you cannot get her to laser think about focused. a laser fucking focus. You cannot get her to think about anything else. And it's so funny that Jonathan's like, I'm sorry I did this thing. And she's like, not now. Demogorgon. Like, Yeah, that's great, sweetie. I'll be home by seven. I'm looking at the Demogorgon now. Like, Mom, I slept with him. It's fine. Barb's missing. It's Demogorgon time. Yeah, Mom, I lost my virginity to Steve. Yeah, big whoop, Demogorgon. Not the point here. <laughs> Just like, a fucking, that is one thing, and I will say they were very good at beyond just letting the actors be actors at writing these characters differently because they very much were like, we know Nancy Wheeler and Nancy fucking Wheeler thinks about one goddamn thing. And then that is what her heart is set on for the rest of time. And I think that they did a very good job of developing characters in that sense. Very true. Um, Incredibly true. Now I would love to talk about the dive bar now. 
Okay. It Are we ready to talk about Jim motherfucking Hopper? Because I I want to talk about his his three his two or three scenes all in a row. There is a a lyric from a song oh, no. that I feel like describes him so perfectly. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm in, scared. In this moment. <laughs> okay. Tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef that I'm a vegetarian <laughs> and I'm fucking scared of him. You tell me that is not Jim Hopper the entire time he's in the dive bar. The entire time he's in the dive bar, the entire time he's in the morgue, when he takes those fucking clippers to the fence of the lab. I really need a fan cam edit of Hopper during this episode to this Can I song. tell you what my last note is? My last note on here is a cab except for jim fucking hopper here's the thing you know that the second a cab started becoming a thing he would be like oh all right i'm out this and then man, he would just be a pi this man breaks he would quit more laws this man is breaking every because he's like i don't fucking care i will get to the truth how many men do I have to punch and beat out up outside of a dive bar? Oh, I gotta, oh, the fucking, when he's like, walks up, he tries to be all drunk or whatever. And he's like, oh, so O'Bannon called me. He's like, I don't work with O'Bannon. He just goes, okay. Uh, did I say O'Bannon? And then he just like goes, I mean, okay. Okay. And then just bam, straight to the face. I literally wrote down like, that's Elle's dad. That is Elle's dad. <laughs> yeah. That's her fucking no, dad. Like, just hands down so okay b for beat he sees obey so he talks to the the mortician and the mortician's like they kicked me out said it was state run said it was state run this is super weird he sees o'bannon on the news talking about the case so he goes and hunts down mr o'bannon creates a scenario where he could even remotely start talking with this guy stunning. in a dive bar stunning says his daughter won the spelling bee odontalia like it's a fancy name for a toothache I, it's just so good he's so good and then is like oh found him in the quarry i didn't know that was state run i know for a fact that it's run by the sattler company which i think the sattler company comes up again in later seasons probably i have a feeling we're gonna find out something wild I think the they were company. related to the lab. I don't know. We'll have to. I, anyways. So Listen, I was so excited when I saw that Penhurst is a thing again in season four. And I remember to take note of that. I, I completely forgot to write down any other important company names. Oh, you're good. That's, so, that's what you've got me for. <laughs> thank God. No, but Jim noticing those little things. He's also an unofficial podcast host with us. God. Because... That is exactly the kind of bullshit that we have been doing this entire <laughs> podcast is, well, it wasn't raining in this episode, but then this in this episode, it was raining. I know. Jennifer's body, it pans from this to that, and now the bar's on fire? Oh, my God. Um, So, he then takes the guy, the guy's like, fuck you, man, and leaves. Way to ruin the game. Jim motherfucking Hopper follows him outside, pulls him around back, and starts beating his ass. It is broad daylight. Yeah. It is broad fucking daylight. There's a car watching and he's like, you're going to get both of us killed. So something's going on. This guy got told by somebody else to call whatever. 
car speeds off so that they can make sense for the state call to take over car takes off guy takes off hopper's left there going what the fuck goes back to the morgue takes his hat off leaves it in the truck and goes oh i'm sorry man i left my hat here walks on back walks up to the guy and is like o'bannon sent me i don't work for o'bannon first sign why the fuck don't you work for o'bannon you're supposed to in be your state. state uniform exactly not a good sign fucking sucker punch to the face beautiful goes inside finds the body and this is the thing takes out his pocket well, knife. so here's the thing is he goes oh god it is him and like covers his face puts his hand down to be like oh like i'm sorry buddy it is you and then goes wait a second this isn't a body takes his fucking pocket knife hypes himself up because what the fuck is he about to do a felony probably another felony except not because he cuts open the sternum of that body and it is filled with fluff i will be so honest i did laugh a little bit i'm like all of this money that you spent building your underground layer all the security you probably have to hire all the training all the selling like so much money the paintwork on this dead body you get a cpr dummy to look exactly like will minus the birthmark because i think that's what tipped joy that's off, what tipped joyce off is there was no birthmark yeah you get an expensive cpr dummy and you fill it with stuffing i know and that just made me laugh because i'm like could you not have found something that would be a little bit more human like spaghetti <laughs> like spaghetti. so if someone cuts in like that old trick where it's like you stick your hand in guts i think that's the other thing is the body was so light that that's why they would only let people who were involved touch the body yeah because they would know how to like act like it's kind of heavy or like yeah. there's some weight there yeah because it would just be a, like the same weight as like a cpr dummy which otherwise. also the other thing that i noticed about it is they claim to have done an autopsy on the body if you have have an autopsy done you have the so marks the two yeah. diagonal from your sternum to your shoulders and the one straight from your sternum down to your belly button and that corpse did not have it which is another sign that they either didn't actually do an autopsy or it's not real so hence they didn't do another autopsy which i would like to know this is gonna sound weird i want to know the history of autopsies like when did you start doing autopsies on every dead body uh you still don't do autopsies on every single dead body there are so, certain cases in which autopsies are not done so why would they do one on will is it because he was missing and a child because like he was missing and they need to determine cause of death if caught like there are times like if someone passes from old age or i believe it's muslim i might be wrong but there is a is a faith that when you pass away you need to have you need to be buried and have your entire burial ritual done within 24 hours of passing away i think that might be islam is it islam um i rem i don't think it's 24 hours but it is a very short time frame yeah and i only know this because when they did kill osama bin laden it was like this really big thing because they had to bury the body at sea to respect his faith yeah so they couldn't bring the body back to the state so we only had pictures yeah no i oh it's jewish burials are supposed to take place within 24 hours of death okay so there is one within 24 hours but then there's others that are within like 48 or 36 hours yeah um that it have to be done but it was it was jewish 
Um, Muslims also bury their dead within 24 hours, it looks like. Okay. Yeah, an Islamic funeral is burial is usually within 24 hours of death, according to Wikipedia. The more you know. Yeah. So. Oh, and now it's Thursday. By the way, I would just like to say, since I've been keeping track, it's now Thursday. Thursday is Will not was found Saturday. Wednesday night. He went missing Sunday night, was found Wednesday night. Um, now it's Thursday. Now it's Thursday. It's Thursday night when Lonnie comes into town. And the other thing that happens on Thursday night is Hopper decides to break into the lab. Yep. With wire cutters. And I love that man. It, oh, God. <sighs> I love Jim Hopper. Okay. We made it through. Here's the thing. I think we can... Our timing is usually pretty good, except for when I have a platform to talk too much about Taylor Swift. <laughs> we did better this time about not talking about other seasons. I didn't seem like it, but we did. <laughs> I am trying so hard. It's just with this one specifically, this season, um, or at least these two episodes, because they had so much Jonathan in them, I could really see what they wanted to do with Jonathan and the kind of character they wanted Jonathan to be so badly. And then they gave us Eddie and the fact that they couldn't comprehend that we would react differently to Eddie than we did Jonathan is so wild. And that there are people who are like, Jonathan's better for Nancy than Steve was when it's like the writing's on the wall. Steve constantly cares about Nancy is only thinking about Nancy. Nancy has a great day every day. Steve only has a great day if Nancy looks at him. Okay, Barbie. Tell me that's not the relationship that they have, though. Um, because that will be explained when we review the further seasons. <laughs> oh, but I just want to talk about Steve and Eddie. You just want to talk about Steve and Eddie, your boyfriends. It's okay. So true. Um, Any other final uh, thoughts for yeah. episode three and four besides just all hail Sean Levy? Sean is Evie. really carrying Evie? Levy? this season because I'm looking through the other three and four episodes, three and four, mm -hmm. and it's oh, man, I'm really excited. Um, yeah, it's it's a correct oh trend that you're like, fuck, if it's directed by Sean Levy, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To wrap up this episode, shall we wrap this up? Yeah. In conclusion, episodes three and four, big hitters. Banger episodes. Lots of stuff happened. Are you ready to talk about five and six next week? No. <laughs> so we're going to do five and six next week, and then we're going to do the finale, seven and eight. Mm -hmm. week after that, and then some spooky stories coming at you. Yeah, Margo's going to talk about mothman and i have a fun little surprise cooking that i've never researched anything as hard as i'm researching this i've written college papers with less effort than this and then to round out spooky season halloween yeah 1978 version with jamie lee curtis a queen in her own right honestly uh top three favorite nepo babies made it work one of the mm -hmm. one of the OG scream queens. So to find us on social media, are we giving up on Twitter? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you can you can find us on Instagram and Threads at Eternal Slumber Party Pod. Kirsty makes some fire memes. My friend actually sent me one today from the post you made yesterday about me 
just trying to run a podcast she laughed so hard at that one <laughs> thank you um i do make some of the memes myself and some of them I just rip off of google images so and either way memes are fire and also if you want to interact with us in any way that is the way to do it leaving comments liking the the posts sharing the posts anything like that much appreciated if you want to help us out just let us know what you're thinking yeah leave us reviews um if you want to leave your feedback honestly i'm on instagram a lot so you can leave me feedback there i'll read your reviews if they're funny i'll read them on the podcast if you Incentive. leave a good five-star review uh, we can read it on the podcast. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, you can only leave ratings. But if you want to leave a rating on Spotify, um, I know another podcast called That Spooky that does this. So um, if they want to, if you want to leave your five-star rating, send us a, a picture proof that you've left your five-star rating and a review, like write out your own little review to send us to read on the show. You can do that if you use Spotify. You can send it to either our Instagram, because right now our Instagram is kind of small, or you can also send it to our email, which is eternal slumber party podcast at gmail.com. Either of those places. And yeah, if we get one of those, we'll start shouting some people out. So far, we have a couple five star ratings and it makes me very happy. That's what we've got. Please let us if you like what you're listening to, let us know and let other people know and maybe they'll also like it. And even if you don't, I'm having a great time. And that's oh, I'm having what fun. matters. If you like us, leave a review. If you don't like us, send us to your worst enemy and have a great fish day or not. Choice is yours. You left me. What? I'm here. It went, everything went away. Oh, I'm back, right? Yeah. I was scared. I'm sorry. I was in the upside down all alone. I'll never leave you alone in the upside down. I will be Did the you Joyce look at my your picture will. longingly. No, because I'm not Mike. I'm Joyce. I'll bring you back. <laughs> Hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> can we just actually actually instead can we be um Max and Eleven? That seems a little bit more our vibe if I'm actually, honest. Actually, 100% we're Max and Eleven. <laughs>